It's interesting that Perak Yutes Pasuk Mem, the last of the Shvatim get an Achil Vashavitan. It's not by chance. We, Dan is always the last of the Shvatim. When it came to the, the order that the Shvatim traveled in the Midbar, so the final Begel was Begel Machane Dan, the Asif Nukhada Machanes. They were, so to speak, the last of all the camps. Here also we see the same idea, that Don is the last one to get the Nakhla. Now, we see an interesting thing about the Nakhla Don. Where is Nakhla Don? Where, is, where was the portion of Don? So we see the Apostle tells us, Tzara and Eshtal, we know where they are today. They're just outside Beit Shemesh. In other words, you heard the, the top of Yehuda's Nakhla was Beit Shemesh. Slightly about, just above it, bordering on Nakhla's Yehuda, was the Gvul of Don. It touches Ira Shamesh, is just outside Beit Shemesh. And like I said, Tzorin Ashtal, two places we have today, which are next to Beit Shemesh. Vishal Labin, Vayolon, Vesisla, Vayelon, Vesinosa, Vayekron, Vayeltake, Vagibson, Vayelos, Vayehud of Nebrak, Vagatshimon. Nebrak is not a modern city, it's already mentioned in the Torah. Here we have it. And that's the area which today in, in Israel is called Gushtan, it actually is. That was the Nachal of Don. That was the whole central part of the country where today Nebrak, Tel Aviv, Yafo, where all these cities are, was the Nakhla of Don. Umaya Yarkon, the rivers of the Yarkon, we have the Yarkon River today, it flows north of Ramat Gan. Varakon, Imgvul, Mul Yafo, and so this is the port city of Yafo. They ended up in the most valuable part of the country. Uh, maybe, in maybe in today's real estate terms, yeah, valuable. In those days, not necessarily. Definitely, but now. Yeah. If they stuck around, if they didn't endure it, they would be the richest area in the world. Uh, okay, the maybe. Sorry, <laughs> Where they are now is their actual location. Yes. Wow. Not only that, we know it's the truth because more than other places. We know that, for example, we'll see when he gets in Shimshon, Agibah, the story in Shaftim of Shimshon, it says that he lived between Sarah and Eshtal, and he was buried between Sarah and Eshtal, and we have Shimshon's cavern today. It's in what's called the Tzara Forest. Is that it's, actually his? That's actually Shimshon's cavern. Wow. Not only that, if you go for Ben Isman trip to the Eshtal Forest outside Beit Shemesh, you'll find cavern down there also. Right, they, they brought him. The Kevin Don is but in. We're getting it next. So the Nakhla which was given to Don was basically, like we said, the, from Beit Shemesh towards uh, what we call Gush Dan, the towards the coastal area from Yafo in the north until today we call Rishon that we know that the numbers done came second. Yehuda was the biggest shevet, 74,000 people. The next biggest shevet was done, he had 62,000 people. That's why they have high rises. <laughs> Today. But then they didn't. And then that's why Don had a problem. Because Don didn't have enough space. And that's why we're going to see that Don went to conquer themselves more territory. But where? There wasn't, Israel had been apportioned. So there wasn't more available land. And therefore when Don went to conquer themselves more territory, they went to the north. Uh, where did they go to? Today we call the Golan. Today we call the Golan, which means in, in north of Menashe. Menashe had the, what's called the Bashan, which is the area next to the Kinneret on the east bank. Don went higher than that and conquered the area today, which we call the rest of the Golan, and even today it's still called that, we call Tel Dan, which is in the north. Uh, um, today it's the north extreme of Israel. That was the second Nakhla which Don conquered for themselves. It's interesting. It wasn't the Nakhla which was originally given to them. That was the Nakhla which they got in the center of the country. They went, as we're going to see in the next Pasuk, 
they didn't have enough room, so they went to find more land for themselves. That's the Pasuk says in Pasuk Mimzayin. Vayetzik vul b'nei don mehem, vayalu b'nei don, vayilachum im leshem. The people of Don went up to the north, they fought against the place called Leshem, they captured it, they killed all the people by sword, they called the city of Leshem, which was in the north, they called the name of the city Don after the name of the Shevet, after the name of the ancestor Don. That's what it means when it says that Avram you know, chased them down, told them Right, exactly. I was going to say that. When it talks about Avram that he chased the four kings, it says in Vayidah about Choyva, and Rashi says Choyva there means the place where Don would have to be because they had uh, they would be doing a various, as we'll see in Sefer in the north part of their, their territory, which was next to Damascus, which is next to Damascus. Small of Damascus is very far north. So this was an area which Bnei Don conquered what for themselves. What does it mean that they didn't have enough space? I don't understand. If, if everything was done off Pigar and Pi what does that mean that they didn't have enough space? Oh, so the obvious question is, that w- w- how does it work? If, not, if the girls were given out to be the size of the Shvatim, and that's the case, Don was such a big shavit, why weren't they given a big enachan? Right. So... There's an interesting Chazal over here. We know that the, the stones of the Choshen, Mishpat, each one was a different precious stone, and each one was a separate stone for each of one of the Shvatim. So, for example, the, the first row of the stones of the Choshen, there were semi-precious stones, the diamonds, and the names of Oidem, which is a ruby stone, fitted over Rekes, we know that's a connected Ravain, Shimon, Levi. That's... Then the next row is Sapir Nefach B'Yalam, Kenegad Yivada, Yisach Azvulim. The next row, the third row of the stones of the Choshen, were Leshem, Shvay V'Achlama, which were Kenegad Don, God, Naftali. Right? If that's the case, it's kind of Don, I'll show the last row, was Kenegad, Naftali, Yosef, and Binyamin. Now, if that's the case, it's an interesting thing. The name of the stone of Don was the Leshem. Even today, we have a semi-precious stone called the Leshem. The name of the city that they conquered was called Leshem. And they changed his name to Don. So Chazal points out that Don understood that this was, so to speak, uh, meant to be part of their Nachalo also. In other words, that that's why they saw significance in the fact that the name of the city which or the area which they went to conquer was Be'etzim, the, the, the same name as the, as the precious stone given to, as given to Don. And that's why they changed the name of Leshem to Don because they saw that was their territory which was meant for them. Now, the mindset has to be like that. It has, it has to be like that because when we know from the Torah, when the Torah gives the Gvulas, the borders of Eretz Israel, the north border of Eretz Israel and the northeast is the Hermon. It says in the first in the Torah. Right? It gets into the Hermon, it's called Sion, or called Syrian, or whatever other name you want. The Torah gives a number of names for the Hermon, but we know where the Hermon is. Even today, the Hermon is north of Don. Where we, what we call today the Nachal of Don was next to the Hermon. So it wasn't like Don went to Chutzlaris to conquer more territory. The territory they took was part of Eretz Israel. The territory they took was part of Eretz Israel. Elowat. What you see what's interesting by Don is that the territory is split into two. And it needs a reason. Bam and Asher, we saw that there was part of the, the double portion that they got. Or Moshe asked some of the Menashe to go as, let's say, meant to be mentors from the God of the Reuben. So Shevet Menashe was split into two Chalakim. We see here that Shevet Don was also meant to split into two Chalakim. And the reason for that is, that otherwise, if you're not going to say that the north 
corner of Eretz Yisrael was meant for Shevedan, right? Then there would be a part of Eretz Yisrael which wasn't accounted for in the Gara. Because again, Dan didn't go to Chustaretz. The area they conquered was part of the biblical land of Eretz Yisrael. It was given to us. So it must have been meant for somebody. It wasn't meant to be left open. Besides that, there's a remez like we said yesterday. In the brachas of Yaakov Avinu and the brachas of Moshe Rabbeinu to where the shvatim were meant to take Machinah. So it's interesting. There are two shvatim who compared to lions. In Moshe Rabbeinu's bracha, obviously Yehuda is always considered Yehuda Gur Aryeh. Right? But in Moshe's bracha to Don, Moshe's bracha to Don was Don Gur Aryeh Yezanek Mina Basham. Don is also a lion and his Yezanek he spreads from the Basham. The Basham we know what Basham is. Basham was an Achel of Menashe. That was the north of Eretz Israel. The northwest of Eretz Israel. Northeast, I'm sorry, Eretz Israel. And if Don is Yezanek Mina Basham, that means Don has a Chalik next to the Basham. Chazal say, why were they called lions? An interesting Chazal. Say Chazal, just like lions are strong, that they can defend themselves, same thing. We needed two strong Shvatim to defend the two borders of Eretz Yisrael. So Yehuda was on the south to defend the south border, and Don was on the north to defend the north border. And if that's the case, we see from Moshe's bracha, both parts of the bracha, number one, he was compared to a lion, and number two, that he was from the Bashan, he came up from the Bashan, that Don's Nachala was meant to be in the far north. He was meant to be in that north. The central part of Eretz Yisrael, which we call today Gushkan, isn't the border. There's no reason to have a lion there. You didn't need to protect the border. That was Mamish in the middle of the country. Right? And therefore we see from Chazal, we see from the Psukim, that this area was meant for Shevetan. They didn't just grab territory, they didn't go to Chutzlars to conquer territory. It was a territory within Eretz Israel, which was meant for them. So the only question is, why wasn't it given to them on the Goro? In other words, when, when, the, when they got the Chalik in the Goro, they got the Chalik in the central part of Eretz Israel, where part of Don was. And the part which they went to take afterwards, which was meant for them, that wasn't given in the Gara. So the question is, why not? So that we're going to see, by Hashem, when you get to Sefer Shaftim. And we, saw, we see in detail the story of Don going to conquer Neshem. And uh, here is the Naqsh is telling us in advance that they took that Nachal too. There's actually a lot of detail in the campaign to take it. Then we'll see there more of the reason why it was given to them in such a way. Okay, so this Nachal is Matib Neidon and Mishbuchosam, Ha'orim Meir Vechatsreim. Which means both the central part of the country which Don took and the northeast of the country which Don also took. And with with Shevet Don, they had now finished apportioning the whole of Eretz Yisrael to its various subdivisions of all the Shvatim. And now they gave Yeshua Nachla. This is a very interesting thing. Yeshua was entitled to a Nachla already for three reasons. Number one, he was no worse than anybody else who came into Eretz Yisrael. Number two, Yeshua also was one of the very few people who also deserved Nachalah for coming out of Mitzrayim. Right? We saw when you learned the Nachalah that there was a division of the Nachalah the people came out of Mitzrayim. There was a division of the Nachalah the people came into Eretz Yisrael. So Yeshua deserved Nachalah on both accounts. And number three, what the Pasuk says after the story of the Meraglim, that the Yeshua ben Nun, the Kalev ben Yifone, Choyu min Say Chazal, that they were given Nachalah connected the ten other Miraglim who lost their Nachalah because they, they were, it was taken away from them because of the very that they did. And if that's the case, if that's the case, so Yeshua definitely deserved Nachalah for all three reasons. So why the client shall have to give him uh, the Nachalah that he wanted? What did he ask for? P. Hashem they gave him the city which he asked for. 
The place is called Timur Serech in Har Ephraim. Har Ephraim was the Nachal of Ephraim. Yeshua was from Ephraim, so it was in his land Shavit. By Yibne Sa'ir, by Yeshiva. He lived both the study, that's where he lived, Yeshua himself. So, like we asked, the Chari was deserved the Nachal anyway. Why did, it, why did it have to, as a special thing that was given to him? And this is what he said before. That even if everyone deserved the Nachal, the Maisa, once the land was split into the different Shvatim, it now became the province of each Nasi to divide the, his Shevet's land between the people of his Shevet. And the Gemara says in Kedushin, on the passage of Nasi Echad, Nasi Echad, Mimatsa Yikhod, Inchal Sarat, that they have to take one Nasi from each Shevet in order to, to divide up Eretz Israel. So it was the prerogative of the Nasi to choose how to do it. And therefore, says the Gemara, even if one person would have wanted in one place, he was given somewhere else. But he didn't have the right to object, so to speak, the way the Nazi divided it up. That was done Alpi the Nazi's discretion. He had the chance to have to divide the land based on what he thought of, which was good for everybody. And if that's the case, of course, Yeshua was entitled to a chedek in the Nachla. The chedek is that Yeshua chose for himself a Nachla that he wanted. You know, he had to get within his own shev. He had to get within shev of the prime. But now Yeshua was given the option to choose what he wanted to take and that's what he was given. As opposed to Kaleb, the Hashem already told him what he's going to get. But Kalev Hashem told him, you're going to get the city you went to, which was the outskirts of Hebron, like we saw, uh, where the Aris Machpele is. But uh, Yeshua, he, he, was, he was promised the Nachla, but he wasn't promised where the Nachla was going to be, and therefore Yeshua could choose his Nachla for himself. What was special about this place you chose? We don't know. That's a good question. The Achazal to Timnas Cheres, or Timnas Terach, is an interesting name. Uh, we're going to see later on that uh, it, it could be a place... Mm-hmm. Which has significance. That's why he showed that and was buried. We'll see there. So maybe that's the reason he chose it. We'll see there what the significance is. But besides that, the, no- the Navi doesn't give us a reason why he should chose that. Yeah, sure. Oh. Oh, it's buried, but then it changes the name from Timus Serach to Timus Cheres. And we'll see at the end of the, th- at the Zephyr what was the significance of that. Okay. So, Ve'ela Nachalus Asher Nachalu Elazar Koyim Yisrael Benun Berashia Oves Lamatis Bnei Yisrael Begaro B'Shil Lifnei Hashem Pesachel Moed these are the division of the various Nachalus uh, which was accomplished by we saw Elazar Koin because the, like we saw at the beginning the Urim Betumim also were used to determine each of its Nachala. Yeshua Benun he was one who cast the Geralus like we saw the Rashi Avis the Matzim Yisrael each each of the Rashi Avis each of the Nesim of each of it they were the ones who picked their own Geral from the from the lottery so to speak and it was done Lifnei Hashem in Shiloh, which is where the Mishkan was. At this stage, they had now finished dividing up the Chalukah, the division of Eretz Yisrael. Right. The location of the Mishkan in Shiloh was also in Shevet Yosef. It was also in Shevet Yosef. This was, uh, besides being the middle of Eretz Yisrael, can you read this was also the brothel that was again, foretold already beforehand that there would be a period of time where the Shechina would be Shechem in Matthew Yosef before it would take, like we saw, something which was partially Yosef to partially Binyamin's. That's why the, that was, that was especially about Shiloh. It was just like Yishlam, which was a city which bordered on the Nachla of Binyamin as well as Yosef. Right. We know that the Chazal tell us that it took seven years to conquer Israel and it took seven years to divide Israel. We always talk about the Shiva of Kibush and the Shiva of Chalukah. Right? And it makes a halachic difference. For example, we're coming up to Shemitah now. When was the first Shemitah kept? When did the count of Shemitah 
begin. So we know the count started counting Shemitah only 14 years after they came to Eretz Yisrael because we needed to wait for the Eretz Yisrael to be inhabited by the Jews. And it took 14 years, 7 years to conquer it, 7 years to spread it up until Eretz had all settled, so to speak, into their individual Nachlas and then we could start counting Shemitah. Right. What took so long in the Kibbutz? In the Chalukas and Nachlas? And as we understand that the campaign took seven years, even that didn't have to, we saw Yeshua slowed it down unnecessarily, but it took seven years, that's what we come out with. What took so long about the Chalukah, the division of the Nachla, which also took seven years, right? Now, to do the goal of the, which Nazi gets which Chalukah, it probably took a few minutes. Right? It wasn't such a major thing, all the girls had already been apportioned, and for each Nazi to choose his chalak wasn't, wasn't what took a long time. Kanire, what took a long time was the other part. Which means once each Nazi has his chalak, now he has to work out through, with all the people in his shevet who's getting which chalak. So now you have to apportion that the chalak unit to 74,000 people. You're talking about so it's a big job. Kanire, that took a long time. That wasn't done by Goral, it was done the fee, like we said, the Nazi had to decide who was going to get which chalak. I assume it wasn't just done haphazardly. I assume there was some kind of calculation involved in what's good for everybody and where they want to be and near their family or near their, their whatever matters they particularly wanted. So it was a process which took a long time until they managed to mechalek the land uh, within within the Shvatim. And that's another interesting thing. We see that Yeshua was called to task for delaying the conquering of Israel. We don't find specifically Yeshua was called to task for delaying that portion of Israel. It doesn't seem like it was his job. That was the job of each Nasi. It took time to give it out to his chalak, as well as you have to bear in mind that there were still places where they hadn't yet conquered. We were still, like we saw before in Shavit Yehuda and other Shvatim, there were still cities that they hadn't yet conquered. And if that's the case, you know, if you're giving out the Nachla to everyone in the Shavit and you say, well, uh, the Nachla we're giving you somewhere deep in Palestinian territory, that no one's going to be too happy to get such a Nachla. So they obviously had to work out what to do with the Chalakim, which were meant to be theirs, but weren't yet under their control. Right. So anyway, that's what took the time. One last point, which I'm going to bring up to you, just finish this barrack. We see an interesting thing. We saw that B'nai God and B'nai Ruben made a commitment to Moshe Rabbeinu that they would, if they get the Ebra Yarden, so then they're going to go and fight in front of Klai They're going to go and be the vanguard to fight in front of Klai So for as long as there was the battle, the seven years of battle, we understand what B'nai God and B'nai Ruben were doing there. They came to fight. But when they repeated the, the terms of the conditions to Moshe, they said, We're not going to take our inheritance until Klaish shall all get their inheritance. And if that's the case, now Bnei God and Bnei Ruben were stuck for another seven years. Because even though they had done their first part of the, what they had originally committed to, they had fought the wars. They had been the vanguard, they had gone to battle and they had won the war. Right? But they had committed themselves, we're not going to go back to our Nachalah, until all Torah shall get their Nachalas. And if that's the case, that for another seven years, we're going to see, the Nachalim and Ruben stayed around for 14 years until they went back to their families, because that was their commitment. Torah shall hadn't yet gotten their Nachalah. It's an amazing thing to think about. What were they doing already? They weren't needed for anything. They were just hanging around, they're waiting for Torah to organize how they're going to give up their property, but that was their commitment. They said, we're going to remain until Torah shall get their Nachalah. Uh, again, I don't know if they thought how long it would take, but Lemay said, they said, we're going to, and therefore they were, like I said, they, they should were, feel bad that we already settled. Could be. And therefore Lemay said, we find that they stayed around in Eretz Israel proper for 
for another seven years, even though we don't find what they did for those seven years. It wasn't their job to fight by themselves. If the other shavit was fighting, he would help. He would come to help them. But it was they didn't go around on their own. The, the, the agreement was to go ahead of the army, not to be their own force. But I find, therefore, as a result of that, they only came home only after the 40 years. They kept the commitment um, to, to, to the completion. That's a very long time. That's a very long time. So much so, as I'll say, that when they came home, they didn't recognize their own children anymore. Like, they, they, they went first. 